You're listening to On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman, where reporters and journalists go on the record about how they use the Internet to cover the news. For the latest trends, tips, and tactics on how the web shapes popular opinion, subscribe to our RSS news feed or visit us online at www.ipressroom.com. Blogger and social media PR critic, Stowe Boyd goes on the record online. The reach of newsprint is is going away. Magazines are in you know in decline. Television viewership is way down. I mean, all the co- conventional broadcast media are in decline, and uh, you know, increasingly, I see more and more companies coming to people like me or other people in the blogosphere saying, how can we do this effectively? How can we get involved in social media? And thank you for joining us for this episode of On the Record Online, the podcast that brings you the story behind the story. Um, I'm your host, Eric Schwartzman, founder and chairman of iPressroom Corporation. Um, If this is your first time tuning in, this is a podcast where we do um, in-depth one-on-one interviews and we talk to mainstream uh, media journalists, bloggers, podcasters. Today we are talking to a newsmaker, uh, Stowe Boyd, who was um, uh, a, a, a very critical uh, um, participant of a social media club uh, um, gathering in San Francisco uh, over this year uh, on the social media press release, uh, which he f- felt was inappropriate, an inappropriate use of social media. And uh, he has been invited uh, to keynote uh, the PR Online Convergence 07 conference in Los Angeles at the Universal Hilton, May 16th, 17th, and 18th. Um, The first day is pre-conference workshops. There is a podcasting, blogging, uh, measurement, and um, online conversation pre-conference workshop. Uh, Those are all half days. And then there are there is uh, the first day is um, a bunch of different uh, speakers, all very well known, all very expert, including myself. And Stowboard is going to give a keynote at lunch. And then the second day we've got more great speakers and um, Jason Calcanis uh, giving a keynote. You can get information uh, on the um, on the conference at uh, ontherecordpodcast.com. dot com. Um, uh, so uh, the interview with Stowboard uh, lasts around twenty seven minutes. Um, as always, it's going to come to you entirely uncut. Uh, for those of you who are interested in uh, in me and what I do, I'm with a company called iPressroom. And if you're in marketing or public relations or corporate communications and you're sort of confounded by all the different options that are out there for blogging and podcasting and, and how, to, how to sort of reach out to people online, how to participate in online conversations, you know, what what technology infrastructure do you use? How do you make it happen? Uh, we got a solution for you. And uh, it's web-based. You can log in with a username and a password uh, through a browser. And you can email market or you can search engine optimize or you can participate in you know, social conversations. Um, you can manage online content. You can serve video or audio on demand. Um, put together an RSS strategy. Pretty much everything uh, that we talk about in this program. And that's relevant in the world of web 2.0 is all integrated into one online dashboard and you don't have to be a webmaster or programmer to use it Uh, you can pretty much point and click your way through any of these things so if you're listening to this podcast because you're trying to come up to speed on how to integrate new media into the way your organization communicates um, and participates in online conversations 
um, you'll probably be interested in us. Don't be left behind. Get the latest online PR tools and services from my press room. Powerful, easy to use, available on demand. Extend your sphere of influence online with iPressroom, tools for online media centers, virtual private press rooms, RSS news feeds, podcasts, and more at www.ipressroom.com. iPressroom, always on, even when you're off. Stowe Boyd, thank you so much for joining us. It's, it's great to be here. Now, Stowe, um, I know you're, you're not the PR guy, but you wound up in the middle of a brouhaha concerning PR and the practice of PR and how it intersects with, with social media. Um, what happened? Well, just to take the, the shortest possible path through this, I was at a uh, social media club meeting here in San Francisco, and uh, a panel of you know, relatively knowledgeable people up there, um, four people. And um, <clears throat> they were playing a little fast and loose from my viewpoint of, you know, what the definition of social media was or is. And as a result, during the meeting, I called them on it and said, hey, guys, that's not what social media is. It's this. And it really doesn't make a difference what the, the specifics were because what happened is um, we sort of veered into a discussion there of, uh, you know, the appropriateness of trying to be, you know, totally correct or whatever about the definition of social media in the context of, you know, the 20 or 30 young PR people there. Um, and so basically I was kind of brushed off. Um, so I wrote a post about it later, and it led to a big, as you put it, brouhaha. Um, and to some extent people misinterpreted what I said. I was really saying that these guys didn't really get social media, and in, in the way they were pitching it was off. Um, and they were pitching it really from a, a PR perspective. That is, they really wanted to somehow retain old-style PR kind of control of what was going on um, as opposed to what I, a blogger, would consider you know, the new ethics of the blogosphere. And then secondarily, they started to, we started to talk about the social media press release itself, which is something that I, to some extent, really just don't believe it's really necessary. It's just a waste of time. And um, but the whole thing, you know, became very emotional and heated because I was saying things like, you know, Shell Holtz doesn't know what he's talking about, and that got him personally incensed. Um, uh, so it, it really became kind of a little bit of a mudslinging uh, mess, honestly. And some of the, the the points, the actual issues, the questions that I was trying to raise, and the perspective I was trying to lend got kind of bulldozed by the uh, the kind of you know testosterone-laden uh, invective that was being fl- flung around. So let's, let's um, get your definition on it. I mean, what, what is social media? Well, social media is, you know, a, a departure from conventional broadcast media. It's a conversational medium using, you know, these modern self-publishing tools so that an individual, an organization, in uh, and organizations, individuals um, uh, can become involved in a conversation with a large group of, you know, diverse people. Um, but the nature of that um, ultimately is quite different. I mean, at first it's very subtle. You don't necessarily, it's not, you know, in garish red letters on every page, but the uh, the subtleties of the differences of, 
an open kind of communication with, you know, in a sense, some unbounded number of people uh, out there is very different than traditional broadcast style of media, and uh, in particular relative to this particular uh, this this brouhaha, um, you know, the notion of control um, is you know, one of the things that really gets transformed is in this revolutionary uh, kind of uh, new world we have. Um, and so the whole notion of, you know, that PR people have about messaging and, you know, pushing a message through a channel to a market, um, you know, those dynamics just don't translate very well into this, you know, this social uh, kind of uh, environment we have now. So that's, I think, one of the reasons why, you know, people that come at this as bloggers who have been doing blogging for a long time and have absorbed the new ethos of the blogosphere kind of, you know, cut across the grain of uh, conventional PR and communications people that are trying to, you know, I've heard it said over and over again, oh, well, blogging is just another channel to our market, blah, blah, blah. And that's just wrong. I mean, that's completely false. Um, and as a result, uh, I think... There is a inherent conflict between those viewpoints. You, you mentioned, uh, you know, the notion of of, of a group communicating uh, or an individual communicating. I'm struggling with that because most of the blogs, at least that I'm familiar with, that I like, are usually blogs uh, that are individuals' blogs. And so, right. so what happens? to the notion of a blog if it is by consensus, if it is by committee. I mean Well it doesn't have to be you know, it doesn't have to be consensual or committee, you know, managed just because a group of people is involved in it. So uh, you can imagine a, a group blog with a number of people who are, you know, posting at that blog, but they don't necessarily have to sit down and have a meeting to decide, you know, what do we think about these questions? They, each individual person just says what they think. In fact, they could even have an argument amongst themselves in their blog. Um, I get so, that. I get that. But but what, what I struggle with is, you know, and contrary to, you know, corporate law, um, corporations are not individuals. You know, organizations are not individuals. They are made up and comprised of individuals. But if the organization is going to go on record with an opinion or a belief, it's going to be some sort of consensus, right? Not necessarily. How else would uh, we say, say, for example, I'm a stockbroker and I've got to figure out which you know companies to buy and sell in my portfolio. Um, how am I going to get the company line? Um, well, I, I think rather than you know starting with these very difficult you know edge cases where there are regulatory issues, when there are uh, uh, when there are oversight issues mandated both by good sense and the notion of governance um, and law, I think it's better to start with a, a sort of intermediate case that's a little more amenable to you know the sort of simple if you will first order analysis so consider a company like microsoft or sun it's a product company it's got a lot of employees it's got a lot of different product lines going at once but it doesn't require necessarily consensus on everything that's going to be said on every person's blog and both of those companies are good examples because they have many many people blogging in a very open way so a product manager you know sort of a middle tier manager level inside of a company can you know just talk about what he wants to say about his product line, where is it headed, and so on. And it's, certainly, the company may want to have some kind of guidance, you know, blogger 
you know, guidelines. Uh, the ones at Sun are kind of interesting. The guidelines are don't do anything stupid. Right. I mean, they start with the premise that the people that they've hired for the jobs inside of Sun are smart enough on their own without, uh, you know, having a, a KGB, a blog KGB inside the company to police them, that these people are smart enough to know what is appropriate and what isn't appropriate to talk about in a blog, just like they have the same kind of sensibility about what they can say in public, what they can write in email, what they can say on the telephone, what they can put in a letter they can put in marketing literature that gets you know mailed out to people and so they expect the same kind of sensibility to carry forward in blogging so in that kind of a situation it's clear that yes a corporation is a legal entity and it's made up of many people but the the people don't all have to mouth the same words like you know trained parrots they can say what's on their mind relative to their products in a relatively open way now that being said, when you get into the circumstances of a, a stockbroker, um, there are regulations as to what stockbrokers can say. I mean, in their, the regulations impinge on everything. It's it's in their email. You know, the uh, the the stock companies have to put uh, very specific uh, blocking uh, software onto their instant messaging products so that. Brokers can't make promises to customers outside the company. And so in that kind of a setting, you know, a, a whole bunch of regulatory apparatus has to be directed to blogging like everything else. But in other settings, it's, not as, it's clearly not as onerous. And uh, so you know, going off into the talking about what securities people have to do or you know, what doctors might do on a blog when they have you know, confidentiality of clients and so on, it becomes very complicated. But in general... When you get outside of those cases, it's less so, significantly less so. And it seems like it makes a, what you're saying makes a lot of sense for technology companies, but you know, in the world of public relations or marketing, obviously that's you know just. Well, I, I think it would make just as much sense if you're a window manufacturer or somebody making bicycles, or uh, you know, a service company that wants to talk about why its value proposition for you know the the companies that it provides HR you know advice to. Um, I mean, it, it, it suits the great majority of companies. There's only a handful of special cases where things are regulated in some way. I mean, if you're a publicly traded company, certainly you can't talk about things in certain blackout periods and so on that would influence, you know, your stock price and so on. But those, as I said, those are extrinsic requirements that are put on the company. And, uh, you know, those things play into every every aspect of the company. It, it impacts how their executives speak in public fora. It impacts how they 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 talk uh, uh, when they send emails to people. I mean, they have to be very cautious about that stuff. But it's all driven by this regulatory environment. It's not. It's nothing to do with intrinsically what's the best way to engage with your your marketplace and your potential customers and so on. So if you're not looking at it as an either or, not discounting the value of what you're saying, um, but but shouldn't a an organization be allowed to have an opinion, even if that opinion is the result of group of a group's consensus? Well, you know, I mean. You know, companies can try to do that, and they can, you know, impose their will on their employees. But it doesn't mean ultimately that you'll be able to use this medium effectively to engage in in a discussion with your with your uh, your potential clients or potential partners in the outside world, because you know they know that a company is not a person that you can have a talk with, right? It's a disembodied, 
you know, legal entity, but people talk to other people. And so ultimately, if you want to have a communication, if you want to have a conversation with somebody, it has to be done by an individual. It can't be done by a disembodied third-party voice that's being manufactured by the marketing people. Um, you, you know, you can't control your message in that sense. You have to have a discussion with people and spend, you know, a lot of your time listening to what they say about your your products, your services, whatever. Um, it, it it's it's significantly um, a, a reversal of the the old broadcast model. If you want it to work, you have to sort of move away from the old patterns. Otherwise, people will just ignore your your messaging. They'll just turn away from it. So, so just to you know, be the contrarian and to you know, stimulate no, some job. debate here, <laughs> um, with respect to you know the problems you have with the idea of a social media press release, what are they? Why shouldn't we have social media press releases? Well, on one hand, you know, the notion of a press release is a just a basic notion of a press release is in general. Um, well, it's it's two things. On one hand, it's an antiquated notion of uh, a way to distribute information to people um, that bears, you know, all the 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 worst, if you will, of old style media. It's this disembodied third party voice. It's got phony quotes from the president of the company, and everybody knows they're phony. Um, it's theoretically there to try to help people who are journalists, let's say, write something about this thing. But you know, the great majority of journalists – well, this is a, a personal opinion on my part. Um, the great majority of journalists and certainly bloggers you know, don't find in, in, fa- in general press releases a great source of uh, material. They're much more likely to want to talk to somebody or read something that's more of an in-depth analysis from a different perspective, not some you know, superlative – you know, laden uh, puff piece from from the marketing department. There's that side of it. The second part is, you know, it's it's um, you know, press releases are kind of an antiquated, uh, monopolistic kind of practice, putting the control in the hands of a few you know newswire services. Because at one point, the fastest way to distribute information around the world was to put it out by, by telegraph to all the major um, newspapers in the country. But it's it's totally crazy because we know now the most effective way to get information out is really to put it somewhere on the internet, <laughs> and that's where everyone has access in, in the information world uh, to the internet. And so the current regulations that require certain kinds of information to be pushed out through these newswire services is, you know, it's a holdover from the old era of of uh, of, of publishing. And so what we really need is a better rule that says here's the way that um, you know uh, publicly traded companies or whatever need to make certain announcements. There should be a better way to do it than pushing in on these press services, new- newswire services. So we have two things that are both relatively antiquated, and then the notion comes along of, well, let's make a slightly modernized version of this, You know, put a, a new coat of paint on something that's kind of old and antiquated. But not really break the pattern and not really attract uh, attack the root problems I think that's that are in this system and the root problems are you know broadcast style notion of how information should be pushed out through a channel blah 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 and on the other side these regulations that require uh, you know public companies to make certain kinds of announcements through uh, the, the newswire services we should have a better 
solution for that, something much more 21st century. And, uh, you know, we should be working on that as soon as possible. And, of course, the Newswire service have no interest in doing that because, they're, you know, they've got this monopoly, basically. They're, that means that people have to pay them to get these things published through them. Well, it's, so, Im- you know, it's important, I think, is- still, it's important to understand, though, that, you know, not every press release clears the Newswire. And there are press releases that get written and distributed that never clear the wire at all. Right, right. I'm, that's what I'm saying. That's just that second half. It's for those, those, those certain kinds of press releases that get released. Um, oh, the reason I'm I'm pointing this out is because when I complained that you know press releases in general were an anachronism, the thing that was thrown in my face immediately was, oh well, how are these guys going to you know meet these uh, these regulatory responses that they the requirements that they need? And I said, okay, okay, that's a special case, and this is how we should handle it. So I'm bringing up in advance um, Got it. that yes, I understand it's it's a, a small fraction of all the press releases that are uh, um, uh, you know being created. But in this special case, there's a certain thing that we should be doing, which is fixing, fixing this regulatory environment. Let's say we forget about the, the regulatory uh, requirements. And right. can we agree that um, organizations, that there are timely occurrences at organizations that somehow need to get out there? Right. And I, I, the thing I said before, and I still maintain, the best thing is for them to maintain a blog and post it at a blog. And everyone who's interested in tracking that company would get the blog's RSS feed and, you know, pink, you know, five seconds later it would pop up in my RSS reader and I would see this, you know, news flash from Sun Microsystems or, or Apple or whatever it is. And I'm interested in that and I'd be much happier if it was written by an, a real individual who I know after reading 20 or 40 or 600 of their posts over the last few years and written in a you know first person voice and not a bunch of marketing bilge you know I mean somebody I, really I hear you to, but but yeah. what you're asking for seems to be unrealistic because all you're going to get from the blog is an individual's point of view if the organization is you know managed by a number of different individuals wouldn't you rather have some sort of consensus well I mean you know there's all kinds of ways that people have. Ad- adapted to the systems that we have in place as, as mechanism reading tea leaves or whatever, but it, it, it still doesn't minimize the argument that there's a better way to do it potentially, which is you could actually have a human being or a group of human beings writing what they really believe to be the case. They could state clearly what what the company is trying to do. They could, in fact, even use, use the same words. You know, the difference is there would be a specific person that you would be relating to. Or but reading. isn't there value in both? I mean, if, no. if, if you've got the <laughs> bloggers uh, doing what they're doing so that you can identify with individuals and then also get the company line, you know, don't, don't individuals have, don't organizations and individuals have the right to opine? Well, they can do whatever they want. I mean, companies can do whatever they want. So my, my argument is just one of efficiency. I mean, I'm saying if you want to participate in this new world, if you want to get involved in social media, these are the forms that are most likely to be successful. If you don't, don't. I don't mind. I don't care if some company somewhere decides that they're not going to have a blog for reason X, Y, Z. Fine. But in general, what I, I experience is you know, people asking me, we're a company. How should we do this? Uh, and I recommend doing it a way that I think will work. Um, whether or not you know, other people believe that there's some – inherent value in you know old style press releases that's their decision to make my my viewpoint is as a blogger i'm completely uninterested in them i mean i track my world which is you know tech 
and I don't really like press releases. I dislike them intensely, um, and I'm, I'm sure that's a, a opinion that's you know you know wildly different across different people. And there's all kinds of advocates and uh, exponents of why you know the old ways are the best ways. It's just that I'm not one of them. And uh, I, I don't believe that it's in a company's best interest to continue to push – to believe that it can control its message by pushing out through conventional media, you know, these crafted, uh, you know, messaging positioning documents that people, you know, look at and yawn at. I, I just don't think it's going to – it's not going to – it's not going to be an effective thing to do in, in this century. It's very 20th century. But what I'm hearing from you is you're 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 saying it's not an either or, right? Is 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 that what I'm am I hearing correct? That that, um, in, that certainly you know the blogging I, is important, I, but that there may in fact still be a place for this. It's just not something you're personally interested in as a blogger. Well, it it may be it may re, re, retain its effectiveness for certain you know groups in the or, in in the world. You know, demographically, maybe older people are more likely to believe. You know, press releases that come from companies, but you know, I, I increasingly believe that that kind of that kind of messaging um, is ineffective and uh, it's a waste of time. So, you know, it's a personal choice. You know, a company might can continue to you know do what it wants. Um, I mean, there's there's people that you know put off building a website for you know years and years after it was obviously a good idea because they they said, oh, our our customers don't care about that or whatever whatever their their reasoning was. And uh, you know they may have, they may continue to feel justified that that was a good decision, but you know I don't agree. I think it would have been better off for almost everybody to as quickly as possible get into and start exploring the value of you know getting online. And today, or actually, it's a little late, but it's definitely time for companies to try to you know discover uh, you know how best they can take advantage of this social media revolution, particularly while you know the conventional media are crumbling. I mean the the reach of newsprint is is going away. Magazines are in you know in decline. Television viewership is way down. I mean, all the co- conventional broadcast media are in decline, and uh, you know, increasingly, I see more and more companies coming to people like me or other people in the blogosphere saying, "How can we do this effectively? How can we get involved in social media?" And the last thing I would suggest to them. I mean, the thing I would never suggest them is, oh, yeah, you can just do it the old-fashioned way you've been doing it and just push it through uh, you know, a blog or social media. It's just a new channel. I, that's just completely wrong. I believe that you know, to take advantage of it, you really have to you know, uh, s- sort of adopt the, s- the sensibilities of this new media, this new medium, and, uh, and to a great extent, that means dropping a bunch of the, the time – worn or time honored depending on your viewpoint uh tactics of things like press releases you got to drop a lot of that that stuff behind third party disembodied voice phony baloney quotes i mean if you want to have a quote you know get a real quote i mean i was at that that uh social media uh you know meeting here it was only what six eight weeks ago and uh, the guys on the panel session were like, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yeah, we know those quotes are phony, but that's okay. And I'm like, that's wrong. I mean, why phony up a quote? Why don't you get a real quote? Why don't you actually interview the guy? <laughs> anyway, um, you know, a lot of that stuff is just not going to sail in the, in the blogosphere. It's just not going to you know, sail in a, this new world of people that have, in a sense, turned away from a lot of these you know, centralized 
organizationally controlled media and have moved to this uh, you know peer to peer you know model out here in the, in the blogosphere where it's really really is people talking to each other. We are having these discussions out here, and if companies want to come and participate, fine. But if they don't, uh, you know, trust me, no one's going to listen to their you know bad marketing. Well, I mean, you you just pretty much answered your own question by by saying or, it's an organizational communications document. So even if they did interview the CEO and the CEO gave him a quote, you know, after it went through its twelfth draft and got watered down by six other people and reached well, consensus, I, I, I just don't I just don't think you should do that. So let's talk about what you should. I don't do. think you should go through an organizational. Uh, review and six drafts and committees changing the words and everything. I think so so let's bad. talk about what you should do. You mentioned in the opening the new ethics of the blogosphere. Right. What are those ethics? How can we follow them? Well, one is, you know, have people write in first-person voice, you know. This is me. I'm a specific individual, and here's me saying what I think about something. Yes, I am also, you know, vice president of marketing of this company or vice president of engineering or manager of product, whatever. Um, but you know, I'm I am Joe Blow. I am Betty Boop. I'm a specific person. I'm not, you know, some voice. Um, the second thing is to be, uh, to the degree that you can be, open and transparent about what's going on. Now, certainly, you're going to have restrictions. You don't want to spill the beans about, you know, some new product plan that's, you know, going to, you know, break you out from your competitors. You don't want to tell everybody all the secrets. You don't want to give away trade secrets. You can't talk about things that are going to influence the market if you're a publicly traded company and so on. But inside of the the, the limitations that are put on us, uh, you should be um, open and transparent, and uh, and more importantly, I guess, be organized. Be organized strongly around the whole notion of uh, doing this in order to listen to the people that you're communicating with. Um, you're not just pushing stuff and saying they're going to read it, and that's all we have to do. You know, you got to read the comments, you got to look at the trackbacks, you got to get involved in the uh, the, com- the communication that's going on. Um, so, I think those are some of the important aspects for companies attempting to use blogs effectively. I mean, there's a much longer list, um, but that's the core. Hand, you know, handful of things that are are the most fundamental that have to be gotten straightened out first, and then all the other things, uh, you know, have to be applied subsequently. One of the but things that's the hardest. That's the hardest couple of steps for companies to take. One of the things I wonder about, you know, is the you know the tenets of journalism. Obviously, you know, in journalism, you know, editorial oversight is actually seen as valuable. The idea that you know uh, facts are going to be checked, things are going to be correct, and certainly you know, the whole notion of PR is fashioned after the tenets of journalism. And uh, in the blogosphere, it's specifically about an individual. And I see value to both. I wonder, do you see value in the notion of editorial oversight? Um, well, I can imagine that there's some some hypothetical value in a in the setting like the New York Times, where you have you know this large cadre of individuals running around uh, under high pressure deadlines, you know, trying to advance their personal careers and so on, and they have all kinds of potential you know pressures on them that could lead to them you know misrepresenting facts or you know obscuring the truth or whatever, and so. Um, you know, muckraker kind of investigative journalism 
certainly the notion of oversight on facts is, is, is an interesting thing. It's an important part of journalism. But a lot of what goes on in the blogosphere is not investigative reporting. You know, it's it's people opining about their 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 lives and their place in the world and uh, you know why they like their you know Mini Cooper, right? Um, it's there's not facts to check. To, you know, it's it's people you know talking about what matters to them, and so there is a small tranche of the most highly well uh, highly followed blogs you know like the top 5000 or 10000 blogs in the world that are so, kind of in a sort of a murky zone because they are very very influential um but they aren't being run like the new york times and um it's really then a matter of the personal integrity of the individuals who are writing those blogs to continue to make sure that they strive uh, to you know, find out facts um, about things that things that are factual, but at the same time, when it comes to opinion, they're very unbridled in their opinion, and it's not being squelched by the editorial, uh, you know, goals of a of an organization like the New York Times. So there is some strange things going on in that area, and, and, and by strange, I mean um, the notion of whose authority determines whether or not something should should be published it's just the cycle is shortened because in the in the case of these very influential bloggers they themselves you know determine how to editorialize on themselves as opposed to having a you know an organizational uh, split and having that put in the hands of other people but in the in the case of the great majority of individuals who are blogging to their 23 closest friends um, none of that stuff you know plays at all Still, final question, distancing ourselves, you know, forgetting entirely about social media press releases and, and, and thinking now about the conversation. Um, do you think that a public relations person should be excluded from participating in a social dialogue if their job depends on it? So if someone's actually, you know, communicating or participating in the dialogue because they're getting paid to do it to espouse certain points of view or certain messages. Um, you know, is the notion of participatory PR wrong? Well, I, I, you know, I have, I have two different perspectives on that at the same time. Um, on one hand, you know, PR professionals, communication professionals, marketing professionals are certainly, and many, there are many of them blogging already. Um, but they're certainly involved in a discussion about their 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 craft, their 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 world of work, um, and and what they do, and wh- what are they trying to accomplish, and so on. And um, you know, I know a number of people uh, in that world who do a really great job of of exploring those issues and and bringing you know the, the changing world of uh, that changing world to you know to to print so that people can learn about it. On the other hand, um, there's a fundamental split between what is good and bad and certainly if people are being paid to say things then it's it's false it just rings false so i mean it's the same issue with uh, pay per post you know this company that's paying bloggers to you know push people's products and at first they were doing it without even you know uh stating that they were doing it for fee and uh, subsequently it caused such a, a a hue and cry they had to change all their their policies, so they don't do that anymore. But um, I mean, that's just wrong. So um, you know, PR professionals 
have to walk a very fine line, which is um, I'm talking about some area of interest for me, like um, entertainment, right? Um, and so I think certain things are interesting and certain things aren't. But if I'm a PR professional also working for entertainment companies, you have to be very careful to like disclose all your relationships and to c- kind of segregate what you really believe on a personal basis from you know, what your, uh, your, your business relationships would suggest you should talk about. And so that's a very difficult ethical line. I mean, it's the same that uh, you know, many tech bloggers, for example, have. For example, I, I'm a consultant. I work with a lot of tech companies. Um, and I write about tech companies. So I'm constantly in a situation where I might be re- writing about five or six people competing in a space. And I have to say, you know, so-and-so is a former client of mine. And this other company, number two, is uh, a current client of mine. But here's what I really believe anyway. Um, and I believe the reason that I, the, that I have continued to ha- have, you know, some influence in the, in the marketplace is people believe in my, you know, first authenticity and then also that I'm – you know, I am legitimately stating my beliefs about, you know, which of these products is better, not because one of them is my client, but that, um, you know, this is really what I believe. And if, if that wasn't the case, I think pretty quickly I wouldn't have any readers at all. And uh, still, we're going to um, be hearing from you at the uh, online PR Convergence 07 conference, which is going to be May 16th, 17th, 18th in Los Angeles. You are... Um, giving the uh, lunch keynote on the first day. Uh, I'm going to do the opening keynote that day. Then we have Jason Calcanis uh, the second day uh, giving us our keynote. Um, what, uh, what, what is the, the name of your, your talk that you're going to give? I think it's uh, something like bloggers and PR, why can't we just get along? <laughs> so much of what we've been discussing here today. Yeah, basically, although it's going to be a little more one-sided in the sense that uh, I won't be getting interviewed during. But I can guarantee that no one will sleep through it. Great. (laughs) Well, listen, thanks a lot for taking the time to do this. Thank you. You've been listening to On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman, where reporters and journalists go on the record about how they use the web to cover the news. For the latest trends, tips, and tactics on how the web impacts corporate reputations, subscribe to our RSS news feed or visit us online at www.ipressroom.com.